Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. Welcome to Sozo. My name is Mark. Glad that you are here with us this morning. Good to be together. Amen. Uh, my wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, real fast, uh, got, got, a, got a bit of work to do this morning uh, with our text, but uh, want to just take a second and honor some guests who are here with us. Um, Uriah and Rachel Vandenboss from the Philippines, missionaries from the Philippines, are hanging out with us. You guys stand up to embarrass you. I mean, to honor you. Uh, let's give it up for them. <laughs> amen, amen. Uh, come back tonight to hear about all the amazing things that uh, God is doing through their ministry uh, in the Philippines. We're excited about it and, uh, and excited for you all to hear about it. So come back tonight, 6 p.m. I believe there's going to be desserts. And slides. Dessert and slides. Come on, that's just a good night. Um, <laughs> you know, missionaries and slideshows, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Um, and so, yeah, so come on back and, and see us tonight. Uh, it'll be awesome. Uh, also, real fast, uh, want to just thank y'all. Last week, uh, if, if you weren't here, go back and listen to it. I'm not going to do the whole thing again. Uh, we announced our Christmas plans this year uh, with our Emmanuel broadcast on KHQ. And um, Two, two things I want to say real quick. I'm not, re, I'm not re-announcing it. Uh, seriously, go back and listen to it. I got too much to do this morning. Um, but two things I want to I I kind of share. First is this, thank y'all so much. Um, this is, so oh, yeah, let's just peer behind the curtain for a second. Um, in, in, the, in the worship world, uh, sometimes I will come up to the worship team right before service. It's just fun to do. And I'll tell Tyler or, or, or Maureen or Lindsay or, or, or Miranda, whoever's leading, if I'm not leading, and I'll go, hey, can y'all, here's what I ask them, can y'all hit a curveball this morning? And I'll just ask them to do something they didn't plan on doing at all. They had no plans. They had no practice, nothing. I'm like, I just need you guys to do this this morning. And, uh, and it's always fun for me to see if they're going to hit it or not. They're going to swing at it. They're, they're always good sports, but uh, it's always fun. And, and why I say that is really for us, if you know Sozo at all, you know that us broadcasting on television is, a, is as curveball of a curveball of a curveball could ever be for us. Uh, that's, you know, um, I don't mean to scare y'all, but butts in the seat is not our primary goal at Sozo. Right? So, like, why? why? I mean, it, it's even been funny to, to try to explain it to people uh, outside of our church, kind of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And they just assume it's because we're, you know, I had, I had a really good friend the other day go, oh, uh, so you're doing your Christmas thing and, and you're going to three services afterwards. And I said, I hope not. Right? And, and why I say all that is this. We, we shared that vision with you all that we felt like the Lord put it on our hearts, and you guys responded so amazingly. Uh, there was no, like, well, this is stupid and this is dumb. We already know it is. So thank you for not telling us that. Um, but the excitement with which you all, you all got behind this, because here's the reality. We say we exist as a church for three reasons. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone in Spokane, 
to, to produce genuine disciples of Jesus Christ and to partner in the global mission of Jesus Christ. This is a part of our mission, amen? What, what I got excited about was you all, your, your excitement was not, cool, we get to have a TV show on Christmas, but your excitement came about, almost every single one of you that came up to me talked about the, the opportunity we have to reach over a million people with the gospel. That's what excites us, Amen. Um, and so, so thank you for that. Um, also, I don't have liberty yet to share all this, but even more, I shared some of the amazing things that have happened along the journey for us up until this point that just were confirmation after confirmation. Uh, no faster than we made the announcement, it seems, even more confirmation has come in. So you'll have to keep coming back for announcements uh, to learn about those confirmations. But for now, we're going to go ahead and get to work in the text. Amen? Amen. Uh, like you figured out from the video, if you've been here more than once in the last 10 years, we're in a series through the Gospel of John. Um, I found out the other day I'm being made fun of at other churches I've never been to for how long it's taking me to get through John. I'm not making that up. Literally, I have a friend who goes to a church. I've never been there. I don't know the pastor. And somebody was like, oh, I visited Sozo Church. My friend was like, oh, I know the pastor there. And, and, and the pastor of the church goes, is he still stuck in John? And I'm like, you're a jerk. I'm not stuck anywhere. That's like being stuck in Hawaii. I, I will gladly receive that calling. Amen? Um, so we're, we're going we're gonna to jump into John. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're, we're going to be dissecting uh, some of the tougher portions of the text. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to John chapter 15. We're going to be in 22 through chapter 16, verse 4. And go ahead and stand to your feet. But, but before we get to that text... I want to do something that occasionally we'll do around here. I, I don't have time in the context of the message to touch on the, all of the, the, the text that I want to. So what we're going to do is we're going to read them together so they're just kind of in your brain so that as I'm preaching, you just kind of have them back there. Does that work for everybody? Awesome. So, so, so you're going to read. All uh, eight-year-old self just freaked out, didn't it? It was like, oh, no, the teacher called on me. We're all going to read together. Don't worry about it. But let's read it. Let's hear it. Let's believe it. So this is Proverbs. I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the, the, the reference, the address, and then we'll read together. Cool? All right, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Next, we've got Romans 5, 20 and 21 says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Next, we've got Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's a good verse. Romans 10.4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And then I believe next we've got Philippians chapter 2, or sorry, Ephesians. I can read. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Let's read this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen. Those are good verses, amen? All right, now I'll read to you John chapter 15, verses 21 through chapter 16, verse 4. Here's what it says. It says, if I, this is Jesus speaking exclusively to his disciples, remember that? He's having a private conversation with disciples, and here's what he says to them. If I had not come and spoke to them, them being the world, if I had not come and spoke to the world, they would not have been guilty of sin. 
but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Verse 26. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to catch this. Verse 26. But. Everybody say but. but. It's a big but. But when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father... That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he offers service or worship to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Let's pray together this morning, church. Holy Spirit, come on. We thank you for your word. God, thank you for your word. We, de we declare that we receive this as your word to us today. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would breathe life upon this written word. Make the written word become the living word. Let, let us hear the whisper in the midst of your word. Let us hear your voice in the midst of the text. God, deliver unto each heart that which is needed and necessary today. Holy Spirit, come and move the way that only you can move. Stir the way only you can stir. Heal, restore, deliver, comfort, convince the way only you can do. Holy Spirit, I, I declare that my, my, my words are drastically and, and, and ridiculous, scandalously even, inferior and insufficient. And yet you call us to speak to dry bones that they might live. So we pray, God, today that this would be a speaking to dry bones and life might come. Yes, by the word, but more than that, God, by the working of your spirit. So that we might be ever more transformed, ever more convinced of who we are in you, that we might be more like you, that we might reflect more accurately the beauty that is seen in you, that you might be glorified and the world might find the answer that it so longs for. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. All right, greet somebody around you real fast, and then grab yourself a seat. Amen, amen, amen. Good to be in the house today. <clears throat> Happy Labor Day weekend. Happy birthday, Mark. Thank you. Uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. I've got a lot to cover this morning, and uh, the worship leader took a bunch of my time, so um, I'll have a talk with him later. Uh, <laughs> if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, uh, I want to talk to you this morning under the title, uh, Transformation by Transplantation. Transformation by Transplantation. We, we, we've talked a lot, actually, as I, as I kind of thought about this, as a church, as a people, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a body, we've talked a lot about the reality of the, of the transplantation that happens through, through salvation. We talk about the fact that we are transplanted from one kingdom to another, amen? How we, how we go from being members of the kingdom of darkness to members of the kingdom of light. So we talk about that transplanting, right? A geographical transplanting. I think we've even talked quite a bit, quite extensively about the, 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 how do I say this? The cardiac transplant that we have, right? The promise of the new covenant that God will take our heart of stone and he'll remove it from us and he'll put a heart of flesh within us. He gives us a new heart. Talk about that. But there's another transplantation that I want to talk about, another transplanting that God does in us. Because you see, Jesus talks in, in, in the first portion of this. I mentioned this before. We read it. Right in the first portion of this text, in 18, verses 18 through about 22, Jesus talks about the, the hostility, the hatred that the world has toward him, his father, and therefore us because of it. Uh, the, way, the way I said this uh, a few weeks ago when we looked at it um, was that the systems and structures and societies of the world are hostile to the family of God. Right? They resist, they, they push back against, they, they don't want anything to do with us. They hate and resist our master, our membership as members of his family, and the mission and message that he's given us to go out into the world to accomplish. And, and I tried my best, this track with me for just a second. I tried my best in explaining the, the bondage to deception and depravity that humanity is stuck under to try to paint as hopeless of a picture for their salvation to you as I could. Because that's really what Jesus is saying. They are stuck in this. They hate me. They hate my father. They want nothing to do with my mission. They're all doomed. It's not very uplifting, is it? But that, that's kind of where it's stuck. And, and here's my problem. I, I'm going to get somewhere, but just give me a second. I feel like I hear a lot of Christians echoing that part of the message. That our, our posture toward the world is, well, they just suck and they're going to hell in a handbasket. And everything, right? We, 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 if we have a, a thinking about the way God responds, reacts, and is interacting with the world, that he's just looking for a reason to burn it, then we sort of subconsciously get excited when we see the toilet bowl start to swirl. Because we're like, well, God's just going like, to take out all the bad guys that I don't like. Translation, the people that voted for the person I didn't vote for. And we miss something in the text, and I, I, I touched on it as we read through it. Because you see, the, the start, the, the very beginning of verse 26. If you still got your Bible, someone can look at the first word in, in, in verse 26 of chapter 15 of John. It's the word but. Everybody say but. If you, if you, I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible out, go ahead and highlight or circle or underline in that word. That, needs, that word needs to jump out at us when we read this. Because we understand in English, right? 
in English, we understand when somebody says, but, they, they're, they're contrasting what was mentioned before, right? Tracking with me on this? It, the, the Greek word that's used here is, is very, very similar. So it's the perfect translated word, but it even has a stronger connotation of, of being the opposite or opposing the, the previously presented statement. So when Jesus says, look, the world has rejected me, the world has bought even further into their sin. When I came and showed them who God really was, they doubled down on their belief in the, de the deception that they were sold. That's what they've done. And then he says, but, everybody say but. He says, but, but, but. Hey, that's all true. That's, that's not diminished, that's not denied, that's not trying to make light of it. He goes, but y'all gotta understand, somebody's about to come on the scene that's going to turn the tide. Something's about to happen, something's hidden within the, the mentions here, something's hidden within the, the, the context of what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, I've come, I declare to them who the Father was, they rejected it because they hate me, they hate the Father. Listen, that right now they're rejecting you, they hate you, they're still going to, but something is about to happen that has not yet happened. Let me, let me, let me just remind you real fast that my email is simply mark, M-A-R-K, at sozospokane.org, because we're going we're gonna to have my favorite hamburgers this morning, sacred cow hamburgers. So, so if y'all... <laughs> If y'all been around the church for a while, right, you hear things like, well, all of the Bible applies to me, right? We hear things like, well, we, we believe all of the Bible, and we want to live by all of the Bible. And if, you, if you're in that camp, I want to just, just comment and, and, and commend you on the shoes you're wearing because they're against the Bible. Did you know that? You're, you're the shoes, everyone in the room, the shoes you're wearing right now contradict the scriptures because they're made out of more than one fabric, Unless you're wearing, you know, First Nations moccasins right now, you're, you know, that are all made out of leather, they, they contradict it. What am I trying to say? We have to understand to whom the scriptures are written. Right? You, you tracking with me? Jesus, I've been trying to hammer this on you now for, for a while now for multiple reasons, and I'm going to unveil one of them right now. This was Jesus speaking to a specific group of people about specific events that were going to happen to those specific people. This is in no way, here's the good part. Jesus' statement to his, his 11 disciples that are with him is not a prophetic word that you're gonna be murdered by Jewish people. I thought Christians would get excited about that. <laughs> the, the, the king of the universe has not foretold your martyrdom at the hands of people who think human sacrifice is divine worship. Right, he's speaking to them specifically. But in the same context, he's saying, but you've got to understand, that's what's going to happen, but there is a shift taking place as the Holy Spirit steps onto the scene. And we see that shift through the, through the stories in Acts. We see as the kingdom begins to, to advance out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and ultimately, come on, to the ends of the world. And so what I want to try to make sure we're doing is that, yes, we're understanding what's happening here, but that we're also understanding the moment that Jesus spoke into and also simultaneously the moment that we're now in. Because how many, I need, I need my charismatic people to, to identify themselves for a second here, okay? The Holy Spirit is on the scene. Right? Like we're not waiting for that. We're not like, oh, he said he's going to send him. I wonder when that's going to happen. 
It happens. I have two charismatic people in the room. It happens. Amen? It happened. It is happening. It will continue to happen, right? People, somebody asked me once who was not a charismatic person. It was when I was in the Presbyterian world, and they said, um, uh, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, yes. And he said, well, well, do you want it? I said, I had it, and I hope I keep having it. I want, I want to continue to, to have, was that a one-time thing or continual? I said, yeah. It's a one-time continual thing. It continues to happen to me one time after another. Right? And, and so we've got to understand that we're living in that world. You tracking with me? Because here's what I said last week. I ended the message last week with this statement, trying to kind of summarize where we've been in John 15 this whole time and where we are and kind of where we're heading. I said, as we learn to live as sons of God, resting in Jesus, that is, that is remaining and receiving from him, right? As we learn to, to, to do that, being loved by Abba. What I mean, by, as we learn that we are the, the beloved of God who is our caregiving father, as we learn this, as we learn to live out of this reality, being loved by Abba and being filled with Holy Spirit, we will see the manifestation of the victory of God's finished and final work of cosmic redemption and reclamation. If I could, if I, okay, how many emails do I want? One of the things I hope to shift in, in our thinking is God's attitude toward the world. Because so many of us, for so long for myself, I won't, I, won't, I won't blame anybody else for this, for so long my attitude was, well, if the world hates God, God must hate the world because when someone hates me, my natural response is to hate them back. Right? I mean, I, I know y'all are way more holy than I am. People get mad at you and steal from you and spit in your face and you're just like, let me buy you groceries. Um, but I don't. Um, I want to cut the person if they do that. It doesn't even take that much, if I'm going to be totally honest with you. In, in and of myself, I'm just like, okay, let's go. Um, and so I, I, well, who, I don't remember who, was, who it was that originally said like, that God made man in his own image and man returned the favor. Right, like we make God to be like us. So if, if, if somebody hates me and I hate them back, we just assume that because Jesus says the world hates God, that God must hate the world. The problem is that the, the football verse proves that wrong. Y'all know the football verse, right? John three sixteen. the guy with the big hat, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever might believe in him may not perish but have everlasting life. Didn't send his son to condemn the world in judgment, but that through the son they might have life. So God's attitude toward the world is not one of hatred. It's one of redemption for humanity, and listen to me, reclamation for the cosmos. God is really, 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 really against throwing stuff away. He's a hoarder. <laughs> right? Like if you've ever been to a true hoarder's house, they have a reason for keeping everything they have. Like, no, I might need that broken blender two years from now. I have family members who live outside of Spokane, and, and they have yards filled with cars that don't run. Because they're like, well, 
I got good memories in that car and, and that I might buy another version of that car later and all those rusted out parts might come in handy to put in the other car. God's like that. You and I, come on, we're broken, busted, disgusted. And he goes, no, 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 I might need them later. I'm gonna keep them around. Because see, he trusts his capacity to reclaim us more than he trusts our capacity to keep breaking ourselves. So, so I wanna get into our thinking, not only a theology, a thinking, a doctrine of redemption, but also of reclamation. That God's putting right all that went wrong. That God isn't going like, well, all, ooh, okay, thank you. The Titanic of the world is sinking, and we think Jesus is a helicopter come to pull a few people off the ship before it goes down. But Jesus said he came to fix the sinking Titanic. It's not going to go down. Let me put it to you another way. Get used to living here. I know, I know a bunch of y'all, I love you, I know a bunch of y'all are just like, oh, fly away, oh, glory, I'll fly away. I'm waiting for the blessed assurance while sitting on my blessed assurance. But, I love you. But, <laughs> but Jesus says he's returning to this planet. You know, he promised you this planet. There's a reclamation happening. There's a restoration happening. As we become redeemed, the world becomes reclaimed. The purpose for which God created the world will be fulfilled, which is to be a container for his glory. And he has placed as the, the, the hinge point our ability to be recognized as his people on the earth, as his image bears. Or what Romans says is that, that all creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God. So me saying this is essentially trying to say what Jesus is saying in John 15 is that that's the ultimate goal of all of this. That's what he's trying to get to. We've spent uh, the, the large, a large portion of, uh, of this year trying to learn how to live in what I've called an, an abiding Abba awareness, amen? Like I'm resting, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not engaging in some sort of laborious, I gotta work harder, try harder, mess up less, do more good. I have to earn, achieve merit, attain some, some status. No, 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 I need to rest and remain in a posture of receiving. Like a branch, come on, in the vine. As I rest in that, I have to be aware that, that, that God, the God that Jesus shows us, he shows us as Father. This Father God is my dad, my Abba. He's not just, he's, listen, he's not just family, he's familiar. If, if you, okay, okay, we're just, we'll, just, we'll just go all the places today. Um, if you grew up in the era that I grew up in, or a little before me, you'll understand this. It's really awesome to me now that culture seems to be shifting so that dads are approachable. Right? It's, it's like a normal thing now for dads to like play with their kids. Like, like it, they now in businesses, they now give dads paternity leave to go spend time with. I think that's awesome. I think that's incredible. That's fantastic. But come on, I need, I need some witnesses from some kids from the 80s. We grew up scared of all of our dads. I mean, I know my dad loved me, but I also knew my dad had no problem beating bad out of me. 
It didn't always work, but he tried real hard. Right, like, I mean, come on, like, there, there was this, like, distance for us between us and our parents. My, my dad's specific. Mom was nice. Mom was, like, mom put the Band-Aids on. Dad was, like, let's get a skateboard, go to the top of a hill, and see what happens when I push you down. And then yell at you for falling down. <laughs> right, like, dad came home, and you were a little bit like, whoop. Now it's like, dad. When we were kids, it was like, dad. Right? It's like... The reason I'm excited about that shifting is because I think it's, a, it's an evidence in the culture of what needs to happen in the church about the way we relate to God the Father. I'll be honest with you, for, for, the, for the vast majority of my Christian life, it was like, well, the Father is the one we, we have reverence for. When the Father steps in the room, things get heavy. I've shared this before. My understanding of the Trinity was, was, was good cop, bad cop, weird cop. Like, Jesus was the good cop, the father was the bad cop, but thankfully, most of the time, he let me talk to Jesus, so I didn't have to talk to the bad cop. As long as I did what was right, as long as I, like, as long as I went, away, or went along with the good cop, we were fine. If I messed up, then the bad cop was showing up, and sometimes, usually, when worship was happening, the weird cop showed up. And what, what Jesus is trying to show his disciples and trying to show, up in, show us in the season is that, is, is that the father is dad is Abba, is, is, is familiar to you, not just family to you. It's not just a position that he holds. It's a place he has in your life. And we need to learn, listen, we need to learn to trust his caregiving for us. How do you know if you're trusting his caregiving for you? If, when, when things seem to be going sideways, do you look to your life for some reason for him to be punishing you? Come on. Well, I, I clearly did this or didn't do that, and that's why this is happening. Now, again, let me be super clear. Um, every, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. Everything in your life happens for a reason. Everything in your life happens for a reason. Sometimes that reason is you're bad at making decisions. Some of y'all are laughing, and some of you are like, that's mean. <laughs> why would you say that? Right, like the good, news, the good news about that is like you can learn to make better decisions, right? So, so what I'm, I'm not saying that sometimes things don't happen in our life because of our bad decisions, but when we think that God is somehow repaying us for our bad decisions, there's the problem. You tracking with me? So as we learn to do this, as we engage in this, we see this. I, I, I said, we've spent this time on the Abba awareness. Now, the, the shift that Jesus is making in his discussion with his disciples, the shift that we'll be making as a church, is understanding the vital role that Holy Spirit plays in this fruit-bearing life that we are guaranteed in him. Because you see, even the fruit-bearing, oh, this is so good, even the fruit-bearing is not left to us. It's something done divinely through us. And if, if the abiding is the thing we do in Christ and the receiving of the caregiving is the thing we do from the Father, the, the, the actual fruit bearing, I contend, is the Holy Spirit's activity in our life. So now that I'm done with my introduction, let's get to the text. Verse 22 through 25. Jesus says some weird stuff that I'm not gonna fully explain to you, but I'm gonna give you enough for you to wrestle with it on your own. Sound good? Because here's, here's the question I have. Why does Jesus make them guilty 
of sin. Because did you read, did you hear the text? Did you read along with? He said, if I had not come and taught them, they would not have sin. If I hadn't come and done miracles among them, they would not have sin. So, so is Jesus saying that his coming made them sinful? Well, if we, if we track back and we understand what sin is, right? We, we were all taught that sin, right, is missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. And so, so, so religion comes and says, if, if sin is missing the mark, right? The, the picture is like you're, you're, you're like bow and arrow and you're trying to hit a target. And since you can't hit the target, right, religion comes along and screams, shoot the bow better, Focus, practice more, be more disciplined. It's your job to hit the mark, don't sin. And that works if you're capable of hitting the mark. But scripture makes it clear that you are crippled, blind, and on the floor. And religion is screaming over your dead body, you should shoot that bow and arrow better. What am I saying? Religion doesn't work. It's, it's, it's ineffective. Sin is, is, is not us missing the mark. Yes, it causes us to miss the mark. Sin is not knowing who we are in him. Hamartia. Ha means negative. Martia means form and, vo- form and, and substance. It's not knowing the form, the shape, the wind. Why do I, how can I, sh- prove it in the Bible. Okay, Genesis 3 right, the, the, the story of the account of the deception of Adam and Eve, the fall of mankind. What does, what does the serpent say to Eve? You have to do this in order to be like God. She believed that lie. Let me say it this way. Sin is more about the belief that you hold than the behavior that that belief causes. This is why we preach so heavily against behavior modification as the answer. Okay, I, I, need, I need some help. I need some help. I need some help. Are there things in your, uh, you won't answer that truthfully. Are there things in your spouse's life that you would like them to modify their behavior around? Schedule a marriage conference. Um, right, there are things in our own life that we want, are there behaviors that we want modified? I'm not denying or diminishing that. Right, like what I'm saying is that simply modifying the behavior but never getting at the root of the belief is not going to result in transformation. It only can result in behavior modification. I can get you to act different for a while under the right circumstances. Parents, we've all figured this out, right? You, if, if, if your physical presence is needed to get your kids to obey, they do not have a heart of obedience. They have a fear of punishment. That might work for a while, but it doesn't work long term. Because while our Heavenly Father is omnipotent and omnipresent, you sadly are not. I, I, would, I don't know if anybody else was that kid, right? I was the kid that my, my parents would go like, you can play out front, because in the 80s we were allowed to play outside. In our front yard with cars driving by without a helmet on. Um, I know, it was the Wild West. And, uh, and my, my parents would say, this, the rule in our house was like, you, we lived on somewhat of a busy street, and the rule was we had a really long driveway. You could play in the driveway, but you couldn't go onto the street from the driveway. 
So, so, so like this, this edge of the stage was, was our driveway. You know where I liked to play the most? Right here. <laughs> I got like, I literally, our, our driveway, I think, was about 50 yards long. And I'm like, no, nah, right here's good. This last six inches is the good stuff. And once in a while, like, step over. Now, if dad was in the garage doing something, I was at clear at the other end of the driveway. Well, probably if my dad was home, I was probably pulling weeds for something bad that I did. But, uh, right, in his presence, I would be good. But outside of it, not so much. See, behavior modification can only be exerted upon us when there's some fear of punishment. The problem is that First John says that perfect love casts out all fear. So in the new covenant, I don't live under fear at all. So therefore, fear of punishment cannot be the motivator for my transformation. So why are they guilty of sin? They're guilty of not knowing who they are and who their God is. Again, I, I said this, their hatred is rooted in deception and depravity. They've continued to believe the lie They've continued to buy into this. He says his coming teaching and miracles caused sin. Why? Because I love the way it says it in the, in the, in the King James, where in the, in the ESV it says they have no excuse for their sin. The King, the King James, the old King James says, I, it removed their cloak. It uncovers not just the behavior, it uncovers the belief because to look at, listen, to look at the Jewish people at the time, you go, man, those people love God. And yet Jesus comes and goes, no, they don't. Because I showed them God and they rejected him. I showed them who he was and rejected them. Why is it that Jesus coming causes sin? Part of it, not all of it, part of it has to do with the first law of learning. Does everybody know the first law of learning? Here's the first law of learning. We taught this to our kids a lot. We tell it to our kids all the time. First law of learning. You ready? You always feel dumber before you feel smarter. Can I get an amen from anybody who's learned anything in their life? First day on a new job. How dumb do you feel? First time the teacher writes a math problem up on the board that had an alphabet in it. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not in English. We're in math. And they're like, yeah, you have to figure out what A is. I know what A is. It's the first letter of the alphabet. Can we move on, please? You always feel dumber before you feel smarter. What, 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 what does that have to do with this? The incarnation exposes our erroneous preconceptions. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he simultaneously de completely destroys all of the stupid ideas that we have about God. He just shatters all of them. And then he continues to shatter the ideas about what a human life can look like. Because you realize that Jesus came and said that he was only doing whatever he saw the Father doing. He was living in total submission to the Father as a human. So Jesus comes and says, like, he, he demolishes our idea about who God is and who we're supposed to be instantly. All of our bad ideas find their end in him. So when Jesus comes, his incarnation exposes all of this. I love it. King James, right? Removes the cloak. No more hiding. No more ability for us to make excuses and, well, I didn't really know and I wasn't really taught. No, 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 no. You were taught. It just made you feel dumb. The incarnation exposes all of this. 
We see it in Adam and Eve, where, 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 the, where, where, where they, they now all of a sudden realize, right, that they are naked. See, the first, more often than not, revelation doesn't result instantly in transformation. First, revelation results in our understanding of how wrong we were. It, it exposes error. Because you always feel dumber before you feel smarter. You're not being punished. Ultimately, the genesis of our sin is the rejection of God based on the deception of Satan who deceives us regarding who God is and how he made us. So now because of that, I think I have to go and do this in order that I can have this because God didn't give me this. Fill in the blank on whatever your sins are. I don't need to. I'm going to go behave this way because I believe that God has not done something that I need him to do and therefore I have to accomplish it on my own. I am owed some good by a God who's a no good liar and hides good from me. Keeps ultimate good away from me. I'm here to tell you, church, every sin in your life finds its root right there. And Jesus comes and exposes the utter ridiculousness of all of that. He comes, right? So he, he says he did three things. If I had not come, if I had not taught them, if I had not done the signs, the miracles, the works in their midst. All three of those things utterly obliterate all of the lies that we believe about who he is. He's not distant. Come on, he's not disinterested. He's not just interested in showing up and judging us. He comes to teach us, to instruct us, to help us, to guide us. And he's not just, he's not telling us we gotta solve our own problems. He comes miraculously, supernaturally, and heals and redeems and restores and brings dead people back to life. All of the bad ideas, religion, whether it's secular religion or human religion or, or spiritual religion or organized religion, all of that stuff has taught you, all of the things that it's taught you have been wrong about who God is. Because he draws near, he meets us in our, our stupidity, and he heals the boo-boos that we got from our stupidity. See, the problem, though, is this. Here, here's the issue, and this is, why, this is why Jesus says in this text, he says, look, this is what I did. I came, I exposed their sin. They wouldn't even have had this sin if I would have had to come, but because I came, they're stuck in their sin, and all of this happened, he says, to fulfill their law. Because, listen, Humans, humanity's default response to the exposure of our sin is religion. Again, 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 some of you are like, I hate religion. Yeah, you have one. Yours might be a secular humanistic religion, but you have one. It's a set of rules, guidelines, and principles that you follow that you think will make you happier. Maybe you have one simple one. I do whatever the heck I want. I, I love you. That's called humanism. It's a religion. It's our attempt to try to achieve, earn, merit, prove, accomplish, gather to ourselves that which we think is lacking in what God provides. Understand this. Rabbis teach us that, that yes, Adam and Eve were, were naked in their initial creation and felt no shame. That's what the scriptures teach. Rabbis teach that within the text there is an understanding that they were robed, clothed, surrounded by the very glory of God. So when they reject God, when they rebel against him, and that is lifted, they find themselves naked. And what's the first thing they do? Hide and try to sew fig leaves together. What is that? Religion. 
God hasn't provided what I need, I'll go out and provide it for myself. And God comes down in his wrath and anger, kills humanity, and moves on. Oh, wait, no, that's not what he does. He shows up at the moment of our fall, the moment of our rejection and rebellion, and he goes, nah, I'm still gonna provide for you. I'm still gonna take care of you. I promise to not only show you that I'm gonna take care of you, not only show you, not only give you the revelation of just how deep this rabbit hole goes that you just walked into, but also when you're at the bottom of it, I promise to come and pull you out of it. Religion is our attempt to get to God. Whether your God is, is, is a spiritual God or whether it's a new car or a new house or a beautiful spouse or better kids or more money or whatever, whatever your God is there's, a, there is, there is a church you go to and worship that God. And Jesus comes and exposes this all. He says, none of this works. And I can, I, I can already hear some of you pushing back and saying, no, 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 but if we just do what the Bible says, our lives will be better. Because that's what, that's what the bumper stickers in the Christian bookstore taught us. Be disciplined. Come on, come on, come on, come on, talk to me. Be more disciplined and your life will be better. Figure your stuff out and things will not be as bad for you. Now, there, here, here's the dangerous part about that statement. There is some practical, pragmatic truth in that. If you are right now poking yourself in the eye repeatedly, if you stop, you'll see better. Right? Like, like, like we, we, we talked a, a few weeks ago about our belief that God is moving in the midst of this house to see people not only become generous with their finances, but be generators of finances. But, but listen, I believe that. I'm not denying that. I'm not diminishing that. And a good first step for many of you is figuring out how to pay your rent on time. You can say that's just discipline. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God moving in the midst of your life will begin to teach you, come on, by showing you where you, you, you don't know, come on, expose those things, you'll feel dumber. Like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I'm not saying that some, learning some disciplines won't improve your life. But hear me, learning some disciplines cannot get you in right relationship with God. No amount of right, and ultimately, listen, ultimately what your heart really longs for is intimacy with the Father. And many of us suck at paying our rent because we're spending our money on stuff that we think is going to make us happy. When only he can make you happy. Religion is our attempt to get to God. And here's what Jesus exposes in this text. I love this. I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to miss out on what Jesus says here. Verse 25, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. He's quoting Psalms there. Here's why this is so important to me. We've got to understand that even the perfect Mosaic law given by God to Israel, that's what makes it their law, even that is insufficient to make you right with God. Are you, are you, are you tracking with that? 
even if you were somehow able to keep all of the Old Testament law, the closest thing we could say to a, to a perfect religion, right, would be the one that God gave to his people in the Old Testament. Can we track with that? Can we agree with that? Or am I, am I off on this? Do you, do you think Buddhism is a better representation of who God is? Right? Like, 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 like he, he, the Jewish faith. The problem is that's still just human religion. Track with me here. Let's go to Galatians. Let's go to Galatians. I'm going to, 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 we're going to get there. Galatians, I'll let, the, I'll let them in the back kind of follow along with this. I'm going to read it out of my Bible because I like printed Bibles. Do I have any other printed Bible people in the house? For all you young people, they now chop down trees, turn it into paper, and you can get the Bible in that format. Galatians 3, we've been here for, we, we've, been, we've been kind of coming to here. Again, I want, it, I want us to understand the moment we're living in, okay? This is this part of the service. Galatians 3, verse 21. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? If the law is what made them reject God, did you see that in John? In order that their law might be fulfilled, they had to reject me. So let's ask the question Paul's asking. 21, is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For it is the law that has been given, uh, sorry, for, for if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scriptures imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned under until faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Amen? We were under, Jew or Greek, we were under the law. Knowingly, unknowingly, we were under it. Jesus comes, reveals all that and to, to the Jews. Realize, like, hey, y'all are still under sin. You think you're, you're good because you're following the rules, but guess what? You reject the one who gives you the rules. So you're still in sin. Your law actually makes you have to reject me because you're, you're so committed to that that you can't grab hold of what it's actually trying to get you to. Paul does a masterful job here, so we're gonna keep reading. Four verse one. I mean, so he's going to explain what he just said. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved, catch this, catch this, enslaved to the element, elemental principles of the world. We were a part of those, what I've been telling you, we were those who hated God. Everyone who now loves God used to hate him. According to Jesus, everyone who now loves God used to hate him. 
So we were those enslaved to the elemental principles of the world. Verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to do what? to redeem those who are under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are, uh, you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Real fast, let me do this. Religion can only enslave you. Can we track with that? Can we, can we, that... If the perfect religion given by the Father to his people enslaved them, what religion are you gonna come up with that's not going to enslave you? Are, are you seeing where I'm going with this? If, if, the, if, if God gave the perfect religion to Israel and those who would choose to live as Israel, if he gave that to them, and even that law only produced slavery, only made them enslaved to their sin, what man-made religion are we going to come up with that's going to be better than that? Christianity? Because I've said this before, and y'all have emailed me about it. I'm just going to keep saying it. Jesus did not come to found a religion called Christian. Jesus came to abolish all religion and restore us back to right relationship with his Father. According to Ephesians, not by works, read, religion, so that none of us get to boast even if it somehow worked, the human heart takes the, the, the working of the religion and makes the working our new religion. Paul says it only can enslave us. It can only make us slaves to that which it wants to us to do. So the religious people of Jesus' day refuse him. So Jesus comes to liberate those trapped under the law. Whether that's, listen, whether, it's, whether you were raised up in, in, in organized religion and thought you had to do all this stuff to make yourself right, he came to deliver you from that. He came to deliver you from that. Or whether you were raised in rebellion and your, your religion was sticking needles in your arm like it was for me, he came to deliver you from that. Here's where I'm gonna just make some people upset. Your Bible reading plan if you, if, outside of Christ, listen, outside of Christ, your obsession with keeping your Bible reading plan and your purity ring were just as much sending you to hell as the needle in my arm was. And I'm here to, to proclaim liberty to both of you, the religious and the rebellious. Jesus comes, born under that system, submits himself to that system, and liberates those held captive by it. He sets us free, and now we must learn to live, come on, free. Free from the influence of the elemental principles of this world. And their message to us. You want to know what the message is? Work harder. The only message religion will ever have for you is try harder and do better. And I've said this before, if you could try hard enough, or if you could do any better, you would have done it by now. I love you. That's such an uplifting message. I had, us read, I had us read Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. Can I, free bonus revelation that I had this week? I always thought, every time I read that verse, I always thought that was sinful, right? There's a way that seems right to a man. There's, there's like my sin, but it leads to death. But here's the problem. 
track with me. Y'all don't have to agree with me, but just, just, just put this hat on for a second. I never thought sin was right. E- even outside of Jesus. Come on, when I sinned, something like, theologically speaking, like I knew, I knew, come on, come on, come on. I need, to, I need to talk to some people with some history with, like me. Come on. I knew what I was doing was dumb and wrong. It did not seem right to me. It seemed fun, but it didn't seem right. So what's the way that seems right to a man? Religion. So Proverbs isn't warning you about sinful, wicked behavior. It's warning you about religion. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it's death. Jesus comes born under that to deliver us from that death. And then and this is this the whole this is this is everywhere I wanted to get this morning. Holy Spirit comes and affirms your inclusion in divine intimacy. So Jesus liberates you from the law, liberates you from all. Now you're free from all of it. Come on, come on, come on. You're free from all of it. You're not held captive to it anymore. You're not bound by it anymore. You're not looking over your shoulder, waiting for God to drop the hammer. You're not freaking out about what you need to do next. Your heart's not racing all the time when you think about all the stuff that you need to do to make sure you stay right with God. You're just loving recess. You're enjoying unbroken fellowship with God. And the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside you to go, you belong here. You belong this. Welcome home. Jo- join the circle dance. Have fun with us. Enjoy. Uh, just enjoy it. Just be in. It, it, it's party time. You, you, you didn't have to, you didn't, you didn't do anything to get here. And frankly, I'm not going to let you do anything to get out of here. <laughs> this is why we sing. Come on. You're never going to let me go. Come on. Can I get an amen from some people? How many of us, sometimes that's something I sing out of rejoicing. And sometimes I sing that out of fear and trepidation. <laughs> you are never going to, I cannot outrun you. So the Holy Spirit comes, he takes up residence within us so that we know, come on, that we know, that we know, that we know we belong here. So let's track back to John. So we're no longer guarded by the law, but we're guided by Holy Spirit. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, their law made them do this, but you're going to have my spirit within you and you're going to go out and you're going to fill the earth. Listen, you're going to fill the earth with undeniable evidence of the goodness of God. Your life is supposed to be a written testimony that God is better than anyone has ever dared dream that he could be. But you can't show people that letter until you actually believe it. And as long as you are still trying to earn, merit, work, achieve drum up enough good deeds in your life to prove God's goodness, you'll never be able to do it. But the moment we step back and go, salvation is by grace, come on, through faith, not in my own works, I'm not boasting, I'm just telling you how good God is. I'm just telling you how good God is. I'm just telling you that God is better than you dared believe. So we are now agents and administers of his cosmic redemption reclamation. 
That's what we're doing in our life. That's what our lives are supposed to be. As we enjoy how good he is, as we live in perfect relationship with him, as we, as we experience unbroken intimacy with him, our lives become a radiating message to the world that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. His father's exactly like he says he is. He is better than you dare believe. He's accomplished everything on your behalf, and now you can go and enjoy the fruit of his victory. And none of y'all are excited enough to even nod your heads at me right now. So let's go back to the beginning. I'll re-preach the message. I'm not kidding. This has got, listen, church, this has got to get in us enough that it can't help but get out of us. And I know that, I know, listen, I get it, I get it, I get it. Y'all come and talk to me after. Well, I didn't respond because I'm really struggling inside. I'm really struggling inside, so when you say that, it's, I struggle to believe it. Here's what I'm trying to teach you. Learn how to respond from here. I get, listen, listen, I get that this, this mess is with up here. But learn how to resonate with the frequency of what heaven's doing. And it will begin very quickly to change what's up here. I'm not telling you to check your brain at the door. I'm telling you to let your, let your mind be washed by the word. Too many of us want to, to run diagnostic tests on the water before we let it do its washing. Church, I'm, the Bible's open. I'm reading you the Bible. I did not crack open the Quran this morning, and I'm not teaching you out of that. This is, come on, the word of the Lord. I was hoping to hear from some of my, my, my liturgical people there. This is the word of the Lord. Y'all all missed it. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Praise be to God. Let's stand to our feet. Come on, our, our, our role as his agents and administrators is not a laborious task. It is an abiding fruit. It's just what, it's just what happens. It's just, a, let me say it this way. It's just a better way to live your life. Can I tell you, um, you happy in him is a better witness than you memorizing statistics about why evolution couldn't have happened. I would rather you spend an hour every day just sitting in his presence, being aware of his goodness towards you than reading another book on how to witness to your unsaved friends. Oh, thank you, Father. You're not supposed to witness to the lost. You're supposed to be a witness to the lost. And yeah, 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 listen, listen, listen. I'm charismatic. I'm talking about signs, wonders, and healings. I'm absolutely talking about that. You want to know one of the biggest miracles that you can demonstrate to 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 the world, just be happy. I'm dead serious. I've literally had people come up to me in coffee shops and go like, why are you happy? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, what? I, the other day I was, I, was, I was at Ladder and this lady came up to me and she goes, what did you order? And I was like, 
fake coffee? She's like, what? I said, it's fa- I don't drink caffeine. It's, it's a de- I thought she overheard my order. I said, it's a decaf iced Americano. She was like, no, no, no. I, you just, you're just way too happy right now. And I just figured it was the drink you were drinking and I wanted to order one. And I just told her, I just point blank told her, I said, no, it's, it's not the drink I'm ordering. It's, it's that I once was lost, but now I'm found. That, see, there's this God who, who made everything and he just loves me. And I just can't, I'm sorry if I was bothering you, I just can't help but smile. Got a chance to just share Jesus with her. And then I put my hand on her and she fell over and the revival broke out. No, no, no. That, come on, that's what y'all want, didn't it? Did she pray the thinner's prayer? No, do you know what she said? She goes, man, I gotta think about that. She says, I go to church. This is literally what she said. She goes, I go to church sometimes, but that's not, that's not how I think about God. That was it. That was the whole interaction. She went on her way. I went back to being an introvert. Come on, you're not supposed to be witnessing. You're supposed to be a witness. You will be, Jesus says, my witnesses in the earth. It's just who you'll be. I'm not, come on, I'm going to keep saying this. I'm not adding a thing to the to-do list for you. Okay, well, now I better go out and I better be a witness. No, 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 no. We're not leaving the abide thing. I will go back to John 15, 1. Don't make me pull this car around. We're going to keep abiding. Come on. As we abide, we learn to be cared for by the Father. We learn we can't do it all. We don't have to do it all. I don't have to drum it up. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to make it. I don't have to do it. And as I'm being cared for by the Father, he goes, I have the best gift to give you. Holy Spirit's going to come and make his home in you so that you know that your home is in us. And that, Jesus says, is going to change everything. Church, we're going to start living like the Holy Spirit is in us. Because he is. This, 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 this is not Christian cosplay, right? This is not go pretend to be a healing evangelist. This is just go be who you are. Just go be who you are. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to respond. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to do some work this morning. I know, I know, I know the service has gone long, but when, when you get extra food at the restaurant, you don't complain. So just, you're welcome. We believe in responding when we hear the word, amen? Celebration, contemplation, communion. It's the forms that our response takes in this portion of the service. We're gonna celebrate, we're gonna sing, we're gonna worship. I think there's some deep work of contemplation that needs to happen in hearts this morning. I didn't understand this when the Holy Spirit spoke to me before the service, but I think I understand it now. I feel like the Lord says he's going to fire actors. That's the word I got before the service started. He's, he's firing actors. I was like, what are you? I, this is literally what I said, just curtain moved back for a second. I literally told Abba, I was like, I am not getting up in front of the church and saying that. Because I didn't understand what he was saying. I think I do now. How many of us think it's a role we have to play? You're fired. You're fired. You, 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 you are the worst 
pretender ever. You're fired. Go be yourself. You don't got to be an actor anymore. You're an extrovert, be an extrovert. You're an introvert, be an introvert. Just don't be a jerk. And if you're not extrovert, don't be annoying. You know what I'm talking about. Just be yourself. Just be who you are. Brother, are you giving them a license to sin? I've said this before, I will keep saying this. No one in the history of no one has ever needed a license to sin. I'm giving you a license to be who God created you. As long as you're bound under the law, you're no better than a slave. But when you know you're his, come on, you're free from all that. Told you this before, people are like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, my, my relationship with God is not based upon my fear of sin, but my enjoyment of him. Go be free. You're free. Go enjoy him. Unfettered, unlimited access to him. No wall, no boundary, no hold back, no limits. Golden Corral buffet, go eat all you want. But the food's actually good. Um, I think there's some deep work of contemplation. I think, I think God wants to reveal some areas in our hearts, come on, where we're still playing a role. Where we think we have to fit in this thing that somebody told us we are, that our past behaviors have said who we are, that our own personal preferences tell us who we are. And God says, no, 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 are you gonna listen to who I say that you are? You're fired. We're going to come to the Lord's table. These tables are open to all who've put their faith in Jesus. We take communion by a method known as antiquation, take a piece of bread, or we do have gluten-free wafers on the edges here, dip it in the juice and partake. If you're a believer, these tables are open to you. We would love for you to come and take communion with us. I think we do still have curing communion. We do. In this wonderful season that we're in, if you don't like shared cup, we do have prepackaged cardboard with grape-flavored water in the back. Uh, if you've taken them, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but no, if, that, if you're more comfortable with that, we, those, are, those are available. Uh, open again to all who put their faith in Jesus. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with us at all. We would just love for us to come as a family, amen, and take communion. If you're not a believer, I'm not gonna ask you to be an actor, pretend like you're a Christian and come forward and take communion. You can just hang out in your seat, but I'm gonna challenge you right now. Why aren't you a believer? He's better than everything. Come on, come on, he's better than everything. Life in Jesus is better than life without Jesus. <laughs> my highs don't come with hangovers anymore that's got to be worth it right there I mean come on <clears throat> Bible calls us come on to repent and believe to experience this transplantation we've talked about to admit and abandon our sin to admit and abandon all the stupid lies that we've believed about who he is who we are what we have to do and embrace and entrust our life to him trusting that he will give us freely come on all things if you do that, the scriptures say in that instant, come on, you go from being his enemy to his family, to hating God, to loving God, from being dead to being alive. Which leads me nicely to the last way that we commune, which is we have a team of people down here over by the cross that would love to stand and pray with you. If you're making that shift, they would love to stand and pray with you. If you've got something going on in your life, they would love to make, they would love to pray with you. If you if you have a need, they would love to pray with you. If you've got something you want to celebrate, they would love to pray with you. If you just like walking, they would love to pray for you. I tell y'all all the time, it's worth the walk. And I tell y'all, you have no excuse. 
We, we believe and we are seeing God move mightily in response to his people, learning who they are and going to him as father. So don't miss out on what God might have for you just because it's awkward to walk over there. I say this and I, I think the people that need to hear it, hear it, and the people that don't need to hear it get offended and I like both of those things. You're not that big a deal. So nobody cares if you go walk over there. No one's judging you for walking over there. You hear me? And if they are, who cares? They're not that big of a deal. Such an uplifting church. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you that we, we are called to enjoy you richly and fully. Holy Spirit, thank you that you want to be with us even more than we want to be with you. Thank you, God, that you, you have not withheld anything good from us, even yourself. I pray today that afresh and anew, you would fill your people with yourself. That you would fill our hearts with an awareness of your presence a conviction, a convincing of your goodness that we would live free from the law, abiding and abounding in you, knowing we have found our home in the intense Trinitarian intimacy of the swirling of perfect love, loving perfect love, loving perfect love, loving perfect love. We have, we declare all that we need. Church, let's respond to the Lord.